Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. My name is Tiana Fesh. I'm a mom of three, an educator, a course development consultant, and a lifelong learner. Teaching and learning can take place anytime, anywhere, and in a multitude of ways. The range of knowledge and skills to teach and to learn about are truly limitless. But at the heart of all teaching and learning experiences are the people. The People Teaching People podcast is the place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives. How we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Let's talk teaching and learning together. Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. Joining me on the podcast is Chelsea Bruce. Full disclosure, Chelsea has been my friend my entire life, literally. I have known her since I was born. Her mom and my dad even were in grade one together. I have learned so much from Chelsea over the years. She is someone who I can be completely vulnerable with, real with, and me with. In this episode, we will talk about the teaching and learning that comes from volunteering and getting outside in the beautiful outdoors to hike and explore. Chelsea is an incredible person whose passion comes through so authentically in sharing and teaching about what she loves. Chelsea was born in Edmonton and moved to Calgary just after graduating from university. She worked for years in sales and marketing before deciding to stay home to raise her three kids. Although proud of her role as a stay-at-home mom, she recently discovered the term family coordinator and feels that suits her better. She takes care of the house, although not always as well as she would like to. She volunteers at the school. She chauffeurs her three kids to their various sports. And during the last few years of COVID, she discovered two new passions, hiking and social media. Thank you so much for joining me today, Chelsea. Thank you for having me, Tiana. Now, to start off, I'd love to learn more about you and your story and what has led you to become what you've coined a family coordinator. And by the way, I love that term. Maybe you could start by explaining a little bit about what that is. Well, I came across that on Google, I have to admit. But I went to university and got a business degree and planned to be in the business world, be the Angela Bauer. That's my throwback from Who's the Boss. That was my dream goal as a career is to write jingles for a living. And I worked in sales and marketing for a few years. I never got to write jingles, but I did get to work in sales and marketing. And then when got married and had a baby, we made the decision for me to stay home. And uh, I am very proud of the stay-at-home mom role. But in my experience, all of the stay-at-home moms that I know, none of us actually stay home. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's an old term from the 50s where I, you know, you spent hours baking from scratch and cooking turkey dinners for your husband when they got home. But now I find that the moms who aren't actually in the outside working force, let's say, we're running around. We're doing the grocery shopping through the day. We're working out. We're going for walks with friends. We're doing play dates. Uh, we're volunteering at the school. 
We're getting the kids ready for their 3.30 practices, making sure there's three different meals based on when everyone comes home. So that's kind of what I wanted to, I don't know, I guess take pride in is the fact that so much of what a mom does and all moms, not just stay-at-home moms, but working moms too, is they coordinate their family. And I think it's a huge skill. I have time management down to a science that if there's a four o'clock practice, I know exactly when the snack needs to be ready, when I need to pick them up, how long the drive is. And so I think the coordination inside and outside the home is what I'm most proud of. And so at the end of the day, I am a stay-at-home mom that doesn't stay at home. So I'm going with the family coordinator. And you know what the, the best tool I have for my family coordination skills, which I know you share, is the good old wall calendar with the clicky pen with the four different colors, the black, the red, the green, the blue. Every kid has their own color. And that's what's set up on my calendar. And most of the time, I'm pretty good and we don't miss anything. <laughs> It can be tricky. As a mom of three, I totally get it. It's it's such a juggle. And yes, I 100% have the family calendar on the wall. I highlight with different highlighter colors, but yeah, each kid has a different color. And there's just something about getting it all on paper and seeing it all in front of me that makes such a difference. But I love how you've shared how that stay-at-home mom role is not about staying at home. <laughs> it's like, I, I wish I would stay home some more, but, and it's funny when the kids were smaller, we did stay home because, you know, that's what you did. You played on the floor with them and you had other moms and babies over. But now I just, uh, we're out, even though the kids are in school, I feel I'm out more and even busier. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but I feel busier. How old are your kids, Chelsea? So my oldest is 14 and then I have, that's my son Colton and my daughter Sadie is 12 and then my youngest Sawyer is nine and they are all involved in extracurricular sports, which is so wonderful. And we made that decision as a family to commit to it. And wow. And now that the kids are in grade seven to grade nine, school sports has entered into the mix. And they have tried out for their teams and I'm so excited. So it's not just the recreational sports, but now it's school sports. And I love that because back in my day, there weren't as many competitive basketball and volleyball and soccer teams out there. You would sign up for a sport in grade seven and that's what you did. And my kids are experiencing that. And I hope that they had the same great memories that I did. Even though I was a horrible basketball player, I was still on the basketball team. <laughs> Well, and there not there just something about being a part of a team and being a part of the school community and culture besides the basketball, the volleyball, or whatever the sport happens to be? Well, and it expands their friend group. And I just, I love it. And it keeps them so busy. And they seem at the end of the day, just happy. And they're, they're proud of representing their school. And it's, it's a nice, nice addition for, especially in those teen years. Absolutely. It's such a good thing. One of the things I wanted to chat with you about is volunteering. And I know volunteering has been a huge part of your role as family coordinator and as a mom with kids in sports and activities as well and involved in school, that volunteering piece can be a significant one. So what are some of the volunteering roles that you've taken on and what have you learned from this important work? I started volunteering when the kids were in, I guess when my 
No, I, it wasn't my oldest in kindergarten because I still had the little ones. So it wasn't until my youngest was in kindergarten, I could volunteer more. And one of the first jobs I took on was special events at the kids' school. And I love that because I think deep down besides my aspiration to be a jingle advertiser writer, I love special events. And it was, it's, it's not a wedding. It's not a corporate banquet, things like that. But those Halloween dances for 500 students, that's a lot of work and a lot of fun. So I did special events at our elementary school for a few years. Um, we did dances and barbecues and welcome breakfasts. And then the next role I took on was kiss and drop. And for those parents who have kids at a larger school, understand the importance of traffic and traffic safety and parking and moving kids quickly from point A to B. And so I've been doing our kiss and drop program at our school, which is encouraging parents to pull up to the school safely. There's volunteers to let the kids out. And then the parent is to drive away safely. So there's no kids cutting in between cars and no, you know, people are always in a rush in the morning. And I totally understand that. So we just want to make sure the kids arrive to their class safely. And I get to wear a yellow vest and I feel very official. I've been teased that I'm kind of the air traffic control person waving cars down. And it's a small role. It's 20 minutes in the morning, but I feel uh, it actually makes a difference. And since my youngest, this is his last year in elementary school, it's kind of my last connection to be with the little kids. Because as the kids get older, it's harder to get those volunteer opportunities. And they don't always want you in their school. <laughs> my little guy still wants you there. <laughs> Isn't that the best when they do? Yeah. yeah. I've been volunteering with my son's hockey association as their age group coordinator. And I did it at the Timbit level. And now I'm up to the U15. And again, it's a busy month for September to get all the kids out and on their teams and communicating with the parents. But I love community hockey. And I've been with a lot of these families off and on for years. So in some ways, I guess I find volunteering almost selfish because I have expanded my social circle to be able to be there for other parents and talk to other adults. So again, away from stay-at-home mom, I'm out of the home and contributing. So I take pride in that. And the hours and investment of time that go into volunteering and doing all those things is huge. And it requires not only that energy and time, but also that creativity and passion and so many pieces and parts of ourselves. So what would you say are some of your biggest takeaways from volunteering? What have you learned from the experiences you've had? I've learned that it's usually the same people volunteering. <laughs> and that's okay. Because I think everyone has their own lives and their own stories. And, you know, I think some, some people can get burnt out from volunteering too much. And that's a danger. But if it's what you want to do, if it makes you feel good and it makes your kids feel good, I don't know why you wouldn't. And I think the, what, like you said, the biggest takeaway is it can be a small thing to volunteer. It can be the 20 minutes in kiss and drop. It could be cutting paper in the classroom. It could be showing up at hockey evals and handing out pennies. Any little bit truly helps. And the one funny story is when I was doing the special events for the dances, my kids 
uh, said, you know, because when you're at the dance and, you, and you're organizing, you're not actually playing with your kids. You're running snacks around and you're checking volunteers and you're doing all that. And so at the end of the dance years ago, both of my kids said to me, I, we wish you wouldn't volunteer because then you can't be there and, and we want our mom there and that kind of stuff. So the next year I didn't. And I was in so much trouble. They said, why don't you volunteer? We like when you do it. So it's a mixed bag that you, when you volunteer, you're doing it for your kid. But at the same time, sometimes your kid doesn't see that you're there for them. But I really like it. And I really hope I can continue to find, as the kids get older, find more opportunities to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And something that really resonated with me with, with what you're sharing is just how it can be such a force of connection. So in giving back in ways that are so needed and so helpful, even in those small, tiny ways, it's such a way to feel connected to your community and contributing to your community. And it can be a, a great way to get to know people and to build those relationships. Now, hiking is a passion of yours, I know. And you've been sharing your love of hiking on Instagram and on TikTok. What led your family, your busy family with all the things that you're doing to get into hiking? Well, that's, that's an easy question because the key word there was busy. We are a busy family. We love schedules and staying active. And when COVID hit, and we were supposed to stay away from people, stay in our own house, stay away from large groups. You couldn't do hockey. You couldn't do soccer. We, we did. We stayed in our house. We played board games. We did puzzles. And then we got antsy. <laughs> so luckily, um, the COVID rules weren't as strict outside. And so we started going to the mountains. And luckily, where we live in Calgary, we are so close to such incredible hikes that with the fact that our kids' schedules had opened up and we didn't have all these practices or games, we had full days to go hiking. And so we started small. We did, you know, the normal hikes that everyone knows about, Grassy Lakes and Grotto Canyon and Troll Falls, but we wanted to do more. And because we had the time, we could drive a little bit farther, go on a little bit longer hikes. So we we just kept going. And after boy, I think it was about 12 or 13 weeks of consecutive hiking, I realized, oh, we're, we're doing this. This is a routine now. And so then it became a little bit obsessive. <laughs> I got a little competitive and I wanted to see how many weeks we could hike consecutively. And we got to 30 hikes consecutive. And I'm just trying to think if it started, I can't remember when I started counting, but it was all seasons. And then all of a sudden sports came back in the picture and so we had to get creative because I didn't want to lose our streak. So we switched from the consecutive to my goal was then 52 hikes in 52 weeks. And we, we did it. And sometimes it was after soccer practice and sometimes it was before hockey practice, but we got them in. And uh, I don't know if my kids are as happy about it as I was, but I'm quite happy with our goal or that we accomplished our goal. Well, that's an incredible goal and also amazing that you achieved that goal. That is a lot of hikes. Uh, what have been your biggest takeaways about yourself and your family after completing all 52 of those hikes? And I know hikes can, hiking continues to be something that your family does as well. Well, yeah, and we, 
my husband and I love it and the kids like it. So they complain the night before, they complain when we wake them up in the morning, but the minute we get to the trail, it stops because they know that the sooner they get up the mountain and the sooner they get back down, the sooner it's over. So I guess the takeaway is that kids can actually do a lot more than you think they can. They have strong little legs and some of the trails that my kids have done, I've struggled with, but they're up and down like little billy goats, no problem. And one of the nicest things is that we found a number of hikes and we don't do it on purpose, but we find hikes that don't have any cell service. And it's so nice because my husband and I also disconnect. So there's no text messages coming in. You're not checking your email. So we'll go for a few hours with without checking our phones. And we're truly, the five of us are together. And that's pretty special because I think once you're at home, you get distracted by all sorts of things. The chores you have to do at the house or their friends knocking on the door. But when you're at the top of the mountain, it's just the five of you. And I really, really value that family time. Yeah, that family time where you get away from all the things and the tech piece too, for sure, is so special and so wonderful. I know our family really appreciates that time like with camping and traveling where you're away from the routine or the things, your to-do list that you have at home and you can really focus on being together and having that time together. Now, on Instagram and TikTok, you share posts reflecting your <laughs> love of hiking, including your Get Outside Thursday post, where you provide a wine and wine rating for hikes you've done. And I love at the bottom of these posts, you have the disclaimer, to be clear, I am no expert in hiking, parenting, or wine, but I have my opinions. So what information can people find when they check out these posts? And what is what is your wine and wine rating all about? I put together, like when we hiked a couple years ago and I would post the hike every time, it was my reflection of like my favorite pictures and kind of just little quick little additions on what we did, how we felt, what we liked about it. But there wasn't a, I guess, a consistent comparison. And so I thought it'd be fun to allow other families to choose hikes that interested them. So the first thing I would do is pick pictures that would be uh, eye-catching. So sometimes it would be a lake because kids love water or maybe it was the top of a mountain because some adults love the 360 de degree views. So I tried to highlight a lot of different hikes. And with that, and I did it on Thursdays because a lot of the people, you know, if you have an opening on the weekend, I hope to inspire someone to say, hey, we've got four hours on Saturday, we could actually get out and do this hike. So what I add on there is the distance, the length of the hike, the elevation, and on average, how long it takes. Now, that's a really tough one because everyone hikes at their own pace and everyone likes to take different lengths of breaks and even spend more time at the destination. So it very average guesstimate on how long the hike takes. And then the wine and the wine, the wine, W-H-I-N-E, is based on my three kids and how much they like to hike or didn't like a hike. And it's not difficulty because some of the hikes they've actually liked are difficult. And some of the hikes that they didn't like were quite easy. So 
I try to explain why throughout the description on uh, which ones they like more and, and how to keep your kids engaged. And like I said, it's usually water. So my wine rating, if it's low, it means there is something fun at the end of the hike. And again, it could be as simple as a creek that they can throw rocks in, but they will not whine if they know they can throw some rocks. Some of the longer ones that got a higher rating was also based on maybe the temperature of the day, if we pushed them too hard because they had sports and it wasn't just a very exciting hike for them. And so not to say you shouldn't do it, it's just be prepared. And then the wine at the end, the W-I-N-E wine, I like to treat myself. If I've hiked 10K and burned a whole bunch of calories when I get home that night, my kids can have ice cream and their iPads all evening and I can sit down and go through all my pictures and enjoy a glass of wine. And I, it's usually red because that's my favorite. But after some of these hikes, I try to pair it with a fun bubbly if it was a fun hike. Or if it was a really hot day, I think of the rosé that I look forward to. So it's just fun. And the wine, W-I-N-E, is just as broad as the hikes themselves. Because I there are some very, I'm not going to use the word cheap, there are some very budget-friendly wines that I love. And then once in a while, you can treat yourself to a very, very nice bottle. There are those too, aren't there? Maybe after a particularly high W-H-I-N-E <laughs> rated hike. Right. <laughs> I think this is such a great resource for families because there are so many hikes out there. And I think part of the problem is knowing which one to pick and what and getting a sense of what that experience might be like for a family. And so I love how you break it down. You share those visuals, you share your experience, and then those ratings as well, I think just adds to the accessibility of those opportunities. And, and hopefully it entices more and more families to get out there and, and hike and find, you know, maybe starting with some of those easier ones and then progressing to some of the more challenging ones that you've done as well. So I love that you're doing this. And I really love the way that you share the information about the hikes and your family's experience with them. Now, you. you're welcome. <laughs> now with all the hikes that you've done, I'm sure that you have some that your family, as you said, liked a lot more or less than others. So what would you say is a favorite hike that you've done? And why did you love it so much? I knew you were going to ask me this. Um, <laughs> this is a very hard question. I think emotionally, one of my favorite hikes was Lake O'Hara. And that's just because that's a tough one to get into. They limit how many hikers they get in because it's a lottery system for the bus. And we were lucky enough to get a camp site there last summer, two summers ago. And uh, it is a magical, magical place. But I'd like to highlight one that's more accessible <laughs> for people and I don't want to say it's actually my favorite hike. I like this hike, but it's the hike that my kids want to do again. And there's very few hikes that they ask to go back to. And my daughter is on me. She wants to do this one soon. And uh, the one it's called Chester Lake. And I think one of the reasons why they liked it so much is because it has a lake. Again, fine water. And the second part is once you pass the lake, about 500 more meters, maybe, yeah, probably just 500 meters, there's elephant rocks. And 
They're large gray rocks that I guess you could say look like elephants. And the kids spent over an hour climbing them and just up and down and the crevices and it's safe and it's fun. And it's a fairly popular hike, but it's large enough that you didn't feel crowded. And uh, in end of September, October, the large trees will be changing color and you'll be able to see them there. And yeah, it's just a, it's a special, I guess it's my favorite because it's the one that I know they're not going to whine about. <laughs> so Chester Lake. That's a great recommendation and so many great reasons to head back to that one. I can see why that's one that is really special to you and your family. Now I have to ask, is there a hike that you would never do again? And if so, why not? This might be an unpopular opinion. The one I wouldn't do again is probably going to be Grassy Lakes. And most people have heard of Grassy Lakes and everybody should do Grassy Lakes once. It's very popular. It was closed now this 2022 summer for renovations. They're going to open up. The parking lot's going to be bigger. So it's definitely one that you should go to, especially if you're new to hiking. But I wouldn't do it again because... It doesn't feel like you're in the mountains. It's very touristy. Again, it's an easy one. So it's um, lots of crowds, lots of abilities, age ranges to do. But it's, and it's beautiful at the top. There is a beautiful lake at the top. Here I am trying to sell it. <laughs> but <laughs> it's personally, not that bad. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And again, it's a beautiful hike. But I personally wouldn't do it again because there are so many hikes Outside of an hour outside of Calgary in Sibold, in Wypress, in Kananaskis, in Peter Law, like there's so many hikes to explore that I enjoy finding ones a little bit off the beaten track. There, that's what I should say. I think that's totally fair. I have hiked that hike. I hear what you're saying. It's a busy one. There's so many people. It it is beautiful, but in a lot of ways, it doesn't feel like an escape. That's exactly yeah, it. It's yeah. definitely nice to have done. And I think we've done it twice as a family. And the second time we did it, it was so icy. Like we should have had better grippier footwear on our feet. And we ended up hiking up further, kind of past the lakes themselves and hiking up. And then getting down, we literally had to slide on our bums for about a yep. kilometer, <laughs> yep. which actually was sort of fun and memorable in itself. However, I know what you're saying. There's so many hikes out there. And I, I kind of find the same thing with traveling as well. Like there's lots of places that I would love to go back to. Um, but there's this whole big world out there and all these interesting places to explore that if I didn't love a particular hike, I think I would need to find something else. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So families new to hiking. So maybe it's just not something they've ventured out to do yet. What advice would you give to families who are completely new to hiking or maybe just starting out? Well, one thing you said right there was proper footwear. <laughs> um, you know, you don't want to invest in hiking boots in case you don't want to do that. But good gripped running shoes. If it's the shoulder season, spring, early or late fall, even ice spikes on winter boots, 
would really change your experience. And then down the road, if it's something you like, definitely hiking boots and hiking socks. It is worth it. The It just makes the experience safer and I think more fun because the kids can do more. They can climb higher mountains and go over tougher rocks and go through creeks and stuff. So footwear. But I think also I discovered the All Trails app. And I know there's a discussion out there that it's not the best resource. There are some wonderful hiking books that you can buy and they are properly researched. But if you're new to hiking, All Trails is a great place to start. It's a free app. You can add to, to it to get be able to download your maps and stuff. But what I liked about it is you can filter it. So if you want to go on a short hike and you want to have it close to Calgary and you want to make sure there's water, you can filter it and find one that you think suits your family. And it gives the ratings. And that's nice because you get to read what people who just went there yesterday was there snow there? Was there, were the insects bad? It gives you a lot of very recent information. So that should give you confidence that you can go out there and you know what to expect. And then the third thing I would say is pack candy. If you're hiking with your kids, pack candy. Don't even tell them there's candy there. But once they're hiking and they have that first wine, surprise, there's a bag of Skittles. <laughs> and they get a few Skittles and then the next rest stop, they get a few more Skittles. It's amazing what kids can do with a little bit of a sugar rush. The candy definitely helps. We absolutely use that when our family went down to Zion, Utah, and it was hot. We would get hiking early, but the candy definitely helped everybody stay a little bit more positive and motivated in those tough moments. Now, I wanted to quickly ask about the All Trails app. Is that specific to Alberta or is it, does it have a broader reach? It's, it's quite broad and I am no way sponsored by All Trails, <laughs> just to be clear. It's very broad and it's, again, like I said, I think there are some discrepancies on it because a lot of it is user-based information. But for anybody starting off, it is such a great tool because it does give you the distance, the length. Um, it tells you if it's a out and back hike. It tells you if it's a loop. I will advise the times that they list as the average time are usually a lot faster than the average family. I think the people who came up with these times are 30-year-old fit male or female and ran up the mountain. <laughs> so make sure you pad some of that time in there if you're trying to fit it into your day. That's fantastic advice. And I think having those great resources out there, so be it the posts that you're sharing on social media and the All Trails app, things like that to look at can really give you that valuable information before you head out so you know a little bit about what to expect, then how to dress properly so that you're equipped and ready to do that. You have a sense of the times you can plan for that with food and water and the appropriate amount of candy, especially, you know, based on the wine rating. So just being <laughs> able to be prepared for all the things you might experience is great. So thanks for sharing those resources and ideas. Now, your mom and dad were both teachers. And I would love to know what you learned from them about teaching and learning. I learned I didn't want to be a teacher. <laughs> 
And the reason, it, I think I was the black sheep of the family because my grandparents were teachers, my parents were teachers, my sister's a teacher. I have such respect for teaching that I know that I couldn't do it. I don't have the patience, I think, that is required to be a teacher. My parents, I know back in the day, would handwrite their report cards. And my parents were great at time management. They were great at keeping work and, and home separate, except report card time. And I would see them hours and up, up to all hours writing these very personalized comments for each of the children that they taught. Now, I know nowadays they don't do it. And I understand that because it's, it was a lot of work. But I remember seeing them. And my parents also really cared about their students. And I believe that is such a fantastic attribute to have. And I, I love kids. I just don't know if I could spend all day with kids and also spend all night with my kids. <laughs> and that's just, I've been like that forever. So I think what I learned from, from my parents is that it does take a very special person to be a teacher. And there are people who are meant to be teachers and, and even the ones that that maybe weren't meant to be a teacher for everybody. They're a teacher for somebody. And I think, I think that's what's important is that a teacher will resonate with one kid and maybe not another kid. And I just wasn't sure I could do it. <laughs> it does take a really special person to be a teacher. And I especially look at elementary yeah. teachers and kindergarten teachers and just the magic they create in their classrooms. But I will say when I read your posts, your Get Outside Thursday posts or the things that you're sharing, I see an element of that teacher influence in, in how you're sharing that information and teaching other people about hiking and, and kind of what's out there in the world. So I feel like your mom and dad had a bit of a teaching and learning influence on you, although outside of the, the four walls of the classroom and that formal classroom environment. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. So thank you. <laughs> now, looking back, what would be a favorite teacher or even just a learning experience that you have had? And why would that person or experience stand out for you? I think my favorite teacher, not necessarily personality wise, but my favorite learning experience was from my high school art teacher, Mr. Prokop. And I think it's because he was a very talented artist. He still is a very talented artist, but he inspired students to do great art. He didn't teach it. And I think we were very lucky in our high school to have a teacher like that because it was his passion. And I guess that's part of like what you said about the hiking is I don't consider that teaching because I'm passionate about it. So I just want to share and I can talk about it for hours. I don't feel like I'm teaching anybody because I'm excited about it. And I think that's what he did for art is that um, no matter what the medium was, you'd start off and you would, you maybe struggle and he would come over and just almost not even say anything, just tap your shoulder and say, mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, you're like, oh, I should be I better try something different or I better try this color. He was inspiring without delegating or telling you exactly what to do. So I think that was my favorite teaching experience because I learned a lot 
And I didn't know I was even learning. That's the best kind of learning, isn't it? Right. And I think it is so incredible when the people who take on that teaching role in our lives, they're just so passionate that you can't help to be kind of soak that all in and just be so inspired in the whole learning experience itself. So it sounds like somebody that certainly left a lasting impression on you. Yes, definitely. Now, when you look back at your journey so far, what is something that you are the most proud of? Boy, if it, in terms of hiking, I loved that we stayed on task. And I'm proud of the fact that, <laughs> I hate to say this, but that I fought through the whining that my kids did at the beginning <laughs> of every morning because it was important. And I knew that at the end of the day, we were all going to enjoy it. So I'm very proud of that. In terms of overall the last number of years and how we started about being a stay-at-home mom, I'm really proud of the community that I'm in. Um, I am surrounded by a lot of very encouraging, empowering, empathetic, understanding women, some men, (laughs) but a lot of moms that if I didn't have that for the last 14 and a half years, this would have, um, there have been a lot more struggles. And so I'm very blessed and very proud to have surrounded myself by so many incredible moms that teach me all sorts of things on a daily basis. Yeah, I think, well, that community feels just beautiful. And I love that that's something that's really been important to you. And, and I think you're right. There's, when you can be vulnerable, in whatever experience you're living. So be it being a stay-at-home mom or family coordinator or (laughs) (laughs) working or whatever the path is that you choose, if you can be real about it and share ideas and strategies and really be there for one another, it can make such a difference. It would be, as you said, so much harder to navigate through all those things on your own. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I have some rapid fire questions for you. I love to pick people's (laughs) brains and and steal their great ideas and things that they have to share. So what is something that you would love to learn about or something that you would love to learn how to do? Well, there are so, so many things that I don't know and that I would love to learn how to do. I, well, I'm a fairly confident person and I like to say I can do lots of things. The one thing I can't do and I would like to at my age to learn how to do is to tie a balloon. I don't know how to tie a balloon. It's the silliest thing I have tried. People have showed me how to do it and I don't know. I don't know how to. So I would like to learn how to tie a balloon with confidence. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I get my kids involved and On the plus side, I guess it's nice because they like to say that, oh, mom, here, I'll do it. And they like to help me. So maybe I'll get them to teach me how to tie a balloon. (laughs) And sometimes it's our kids, isn't it, really, that can also teach us so much. Yeah, exactly. Thank goodness for uh, my 16-year-old who can help me with uploading YouTube videos. Uh, yeah, I haven't even gotten there yet. <laughs> I'll check in with you later about the balloon tying. Okay, I love that one you. though. <laughs> what is a place that is at the top of your travel bucket list? 
Well, like you said before, there's lots of places I would like to go back to, but the world is big. And so recently, as a family, we've discussed going to the East Coast of Canada. And part of that is our kids are getting older. And I know there's going to be part-time jobs and boyfriends and girlfriends. And it's going to be hard to get together as a family. And I think, you know, if you said to your kid, hey, you know, we're going to go to Hawaii or we're going to go to Mexico, they will always say yes. They could be 30 and they will say yes. But this one, I want to go to go to the East Coast of Canada and explore more of our own country and don't tell them, but there happens to be an East Coast trail in Newfoundland that you can hike and it looks beautiful and you hike along the ocean. So I'm not going to tell them that's the reason, but we would like to include the East Coast trail on our adventure next summer. Okay. My lips are sealed. That sounds incredible. <laughs> what is a book, podcast, or TV show that you've enjoyed recently? Oh, I, I would say it's, I love TV and I love books and I'm learning to love podcasts, especially yours. Cause I think yours is the best podcast out there. I think the book that hit me the hardest is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, but I will asterisks by saying it was the audio version of green lights because listening to Matthew McConaughey narrate anything is a joy, but he narrates his life journey and it's bizarre. There's some poems in there. There's all these affirmations and advice on life. And I think if I were to read it, I might be more skeptical, but when Matthew McConaughey says, look for green lights. I am looking for green lights. <laughs> it was a very moving audiobook. I will specify that in the show notes. <laughs> that is good to know. Not one that I've heard of yeah. literally or figuratively, but, but yes, I will check that out. If you could sit down and have a conversation with someone that you would love to learn from, who would it be and why? Mm, well, sentimentally, the answer would be my dad. He passed away when I was 20. So I missed out on a lot of teachings. And I think that's really tough because when you're young, you think your parents don't know anything. And now that you get older, you realize your parents know everything. And they were right all along. <laughs> so I think I'd have a lot more to learn from him. And side note, he was an avid, not an avid hiker, but he loved the mountains. And I would love to have had the opportunity to share, I'm going to tear up, what we experienced with him. Okay, I'm not going to cry in a podcast. So the other one I would do is I have the imaginary celebrity dinner party all the time. And the guests change all the time. But the recent one that I would love to sit down with would be Ricky Gervais. Because I believe so much in laughter and wit and dry wit and British wit. And I would love to learn, not, I maybe not even learn from, just listen to Ricky Gervais talk for hours about anything. <laughs> that sounds like a lovely conversation and I'm sure a very entertaining evening. And I know that your dad would love how much hiking is a part of you and your family's life. Absolutely. Now, I know we've talked about a lot of different things and a little bit about just how teaching and learning is kind of interwoven through 
all the things that we do, be it, you know, the community of moms that we're a part of, getting out and experiencing new things in the great outdoors, volunteering and sharing our time with others. It really just plays that important and integral role in all facets of our lives. So how we work and we live and we play and we explore. Do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom to empower or support people in their own teaching and learning journeys? Well, I think you inspired me, Tiana, because I was doubtful that I would have something important to share on this People Teaching People podcast. And I think your message was just the fact that you can learn from so many people that you don't have to be taught. And so I think my final words of advice would be that if you're passionate about something, you'll find your audience. It doesn't have to be a big audience. But there are lots of people that will relate to something that you say and want to hear more about it. And if you're um, genuine and hold strong opinions, doesn't have to be always the right opinions, but you have ideas and opinions, share it with people who are interested in them. I think that's beautiful advice. And also thank you for your kind words as well. Chelsea, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time and your story and your words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and what you're up to and all the hikes that you're sharing with everybody, where are the best places to find you? Well, I have an Instagram page called My Own Private Backyardo. (laughs) So kind of a Shout out to my own private Idaho because that's how old I am with Keanu Reeves back in the day. But also it was so my own private backyardo because during COVID, that's where we were. We were in our own backyards. And again, we're so lucky to be here in Alberta and especially in Calgary, so close to such a beautiful adventure. So that's on Instagram. I started TikTok because my daughter told me to. And I don't think you can learn anything from me on TikTok, but I post fun videos there. So I'm on, it's just called Private Backyardo on TikTok. And I will say one more thing I have learned over this social media journey is I have great respect for people on any social media platform that can post daily, that can keep up with their followers, that can be inspiring and creative. That's a full-time job. And I applaud all social media influencers or anybody posting what they love, even if they have a small amount of followers. Good for you. And I hope to post more frequently. (laughs) Well, I love the things that you share and I completely agree. It is a lot of work. It really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. But the things you share are amazing and incredible. So I'll definitely direct people to your Instagram and TikTok accounts. And Thank you so much for joining me, Chelsea. It was great to connect with you and to learn from you as well. Thank you, Deanna. Thank you for listening to the People Teaching People podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tiana Fesh and on my website, tianafesh.com. I would love it if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore all things teaching and learning together.